Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh, it was unbelievable. All the fans, I mean, it was packed. I haven't seen a stadium that packed since before COVID, so it was really, it was really cool. The fans were super engaged. Um, it was just, it was a really cool experience, something I've never been a part of. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. I love that we, you know, the Jags play this game at least one every year. So I'm excited to come back and the fans were awesome. So thank you guys, all the Jags fans and all the football, American football fans in London. Appreciate y'all. I was starting to think, I was like, where's that sound coming from with Trevor Lawrence? But that was from back uh, when the Jaguars won a game against the Miami Dolphins in London. And uh, Trevor talking about London. Well, we know this. The Jaguars will get a chance to do that again, and uh, they will be a home team. That was announced yesterday. No surprises. Now, who will they play? And speculation is, well, whatever you want to make it. <laughs> I think the big hope is the Jaguars get a divisional opponent over there because the Jags have some pretty good teams and draws on the schedule that don't often come around. The last time, uh, you know, there's been times over the years in London where whether it's the NFL or the Jags or whoever, want that maybe that traditional team. Cowboys have played over there. 49ers have been over there before. Um, so I think there's a big part of the fan base hoping that that's not a ticket that goes away. And coming off four wins in two years, uh, I think the Jags organization probably wants one of those marquee games to be in Jacksonville as well. So uh, that will help ticket sales, I would think, um, just from a theoretical standpoint. Brent Martin here at the NFL Combine 2022 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Studios, along with Casey Kurtz. Uh, what do you think, Austin? Do you, do you think it matters who plays over there, or, or are you rooting for one of those teams we see all the time yeah, yeah. to end up in London? Yeah, I'm absolutely rooting for a team that we, we see every single year, you know, because like you said, you do have some interesting teams coming into town, and um, in terms of revenue, in terms of, you know, an atmosphere, it could be very fun. So I think I'm, I'm going to pull for Jags, Titans, Thursday Night Football from London. <laughs> hey, that's a, well. He, I'm trying to think of that. Wait a minute, as you say that. Uh, no, I'm sure the time impossible. would be. Ah, was, nah, well, that's not, what I was no, trying to think. Give me some breakfast. No, yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah, see, you can play. Yeah. You basically got to play at. Um, uh, let's see. If you're talking about an eight o'clock start, like two in the morning. Yeah, tea, crumpets, <laughs> and titans. Let's go. Uh, it has to go the other way. That's why we've had breakfast yeah. from London before because yeah, yeah. it's in the afternoon over there. Uh, I'm looking at Frank Reich talking. I don't know if he's talking right now or did before. Is he crying? But also uh, <laughs> uh, Ballard, the GM of Indianapolis, talked earlier today too. And it was interesting just to hear some of it because we were over there. That, he talked right before, I think, Doug Peterson. And it was really interesting to just see how defensive he still has to be right now about the way the season ended. Uh, for the Colts, and obviously the Jags were smack dab in the middle of that. But, I mean, he is still like, you would have thought the game ended yesterday. He's still pretty fired up about that. Yeah. Well, Brent, when when you have a, a, a winning culture and a winning tradition and expectations aren't reached, that's what happens. Don't worry. We're, we're going to get there one day. Like, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm praying for. Like, we at least get to the point where maybe we get heartbroken in the last game of the season, but at least we got heartbroken for a reason, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, uh, I would kill for what the Colts fans are going through. Uh, the other part is, by the, I think Bruce Arians just said it, and I think other people are saying it, that they don't predict there will be as much movement amongst the quarterbacks as everybody else has kind of said. 
do you do you fall into that trap, or do you think we're going to get a bunch of movement on these, you know, the Russell Wilsons, Aaron Rodgers, uh, maybe Carson Wentz, maybe Deshaun Watson, all those quarterbacks? You, are we going to get some movement there, or do you fall in line with maybe what Arians is saying and others that uh, there's probably not going to be as much movement as you think? Well, first of all, I'm not surprised that the guy that needs the most quarterback movement, Bruce Arians, is saying that there's not going to be quarterback movement. I think that's what we call send a smokescreen a little bit. So, no, I think there is going to be some movement. I mean, because yeah. doesn't Arians need quarterback movement to be successful? Well, yeah, yet? but he does. Uh, but he's basically saying, well, wouldn't you think he would kind of advocate for it then? But then what What good is it? So if you're Bruce Arians and you need another quarterback, are you going to come out and say, well, it's going to be a hot market, hang on to your seatbelts, or are you going to try to play it cool and be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it probably won't be. We're all good. You know, I, I think, you know, playing it cool and, and, and playing it close to the chest um, is definitely going to be a lot better than coming out and saying, oh, yeah, we're very interested in a new quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe you're right there. We'll see. I, I thought also, I mean, Denver was the first one on the podium today, and it was a massive crowd because, you know, the Aaron Rodgers play is really one of the biggest dominoes that has to fall. What's Green Bay going to do? Of course, Devontae Adams is a big part of that as well, but uh, it, it was pretty telling that how many people attended the Denver media session for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, Nathaniel Hackett uh, up there as well. But that is definitely the uh, the big piece. Uh, the big story here uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, no EVP, at least for now. It's paused uh, by Shad Khan and obviously likes what he's seeing inside the building with Doug Peterson and Trent Bulky. What do the fans have to see from Balky, Austin, is, is to to come around on him? Will they ever? Uh, or is this going to be, hey, the Jags won nine games in spite of? Or is this going to need a nine-game or ten-game, uh, ten-win season, turn it around, and then also his draft picks from last year and this year playing well to – uh, maybe turn around the angst toward the Jaguars GM from the fan base I'm talking about. No, I think from the fan, I mean, uh, I think for the fan base and my opinion about it, I, I would assume are pretty similar. Uh, you, you need to have success on the field. You you need to have winning records. You need to have winning seasons. Um, and you need to start making a playoff push. The beauty in that is, is that if you are drafting well, if you are getting great free agents, um, if you are, you know, if you're facilitating great trades, well, then that's going to happen, right? So it, it all kind of falls underneath the same umbrella where if this team's going to have success, it's because Trent Baalke or Doug Peterson or the combination is going to be is drafting well because they are trading well, because they are getting free agents and, and that's going well. So to me, it's all about the overall record and what it looks like on the field. So it's doable. I mean, if, you, if, if you're a playoff contending team in two years, then absolutely. Like, I, I think people... I, you know, we'll forget pretty quickly because I think Doug Peterson does have that power to, to overshadow things. But until that time, it's kind of, you know, I, I'm going to believe it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, so let me set the scene here because we're about to listen to Trent Baalke talk. And I thought, I, I honestly will say, I thought he was terrific today. I thought he was more transparent than I've seen him. I didn't think he was as like, you know, on the, on the press conference day, he was pretty, you could tell there, he had just come off a heck of a month and a half. I think... He's now doing business, and, and you almost got the sense that he's more relaxed than already a few of us here. Uh, but even on the podium, where there were more than a few of us uh, locally, I thought he was 
was pretty good and, and like I said, more transparent. So to set the scene, Trent Bulky talked at about 1 o'clock today to the to the media. That could be anybody. And there was a, a pretty good contingent uh, asking questions uh, to Trent Bulky. And then after that, we got Trent, uh, some of the local media, off to the side. So it was ESPN's uh, Mike DiRocco and also uh, John Reed from the Florida Times Union and myself. And so you're going to hear those guys asking questions as well. But I thought it that you'd like to hear from Balky what he said about some of the criticism, what he said about free agency, what he said about what they have to do from a culture standpoint to turn this thing around. Here's Trent Balky earlier today from the NFL Combine on a bunch of different topics with some of the local media. Like I told uh, the, uh, a few others, I mean, we have one tag to use. Will we exercise it? That remains to be seen. we still got a week to make that decision, so I'm not going to put any restriction on the club one way or another. I think it's it's to our advantage to use it if needed, and if we don't need to use it, we won't. But that plays a huge role into what you do at London, right? I mean, if you, don't, if you bring Cam back... There's a lot of things that can happen between the tag, free agency, and then obviously the draft. So we know what we need to do. We've had a lot of the internal discussions, you know, and uh, we, we have a young man that we drafted last year in the second round that we feel really comfortable with as well. So we, ha- we do have options. But uh, the one thing that we need to do and, and as we move forward is make sure that we, you know, the one thing lacking on the in, in terms of the roster and where we're at is as you look at our roster, there's very few players that are second contract Jaguars. And that's something that has to change. If we want to change the culture of, of Jacksonville and the direction of the organization, it's going to start there. It's going to start by drafting well, developing well, and getting guys into their second contracts. So DJ's coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you know, I think it's very important for everyone to understand that 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 has to be the focus. If we're not drafting well and developing well and getting guys into their second contract with the Jaguars, then it's going to be tough to turn this thing around. Is DJ tricky there, though? Because is he a tough... Uh, he's a guy he drafted. He had a Pro Bowl with the organization, but he's been injured uh, up and down. And, and, you know, is it hard to judge the market on what he's going to be? I think that's fair to say that it's hard to judge the market. And the, the market is what it is, right? It's 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 predicated on on what others value, you know, the, the player at. So yeah, I think as we look into it and have discussions with DJ and all of our, all of our current Jaguars, it's how do we get the... Uh, the organization to be put in a position where we're keeping our own, right? And if they, especially when they've earned the right to be there. And that's the key is have they earned the right to, to that second contract? And if we're doing a good job of drafting and doing a good job of developing, then the answer to that question is going to be yes more than it's not. You take a look at Little, uh, you mentioned Walker Little. And even in this draft, is there a lot of flexibility with players at the top of the draft and even Walker where they could play on the line, or do you want to stick them in a, a certain spot? I think anytime you can get a player at any position that has versatility, it's, it benefits the organization. 
We try to stay, and you know, if you go back to my track record in San Francisco, it was always to draft guys that were versatile players that weren't locked into one position or another. You know, the, the more they can do, the more opportunity they can provide in terms of moving around. The, if it's a D lineman across the line of scrimmage at different techniques, if it's an offensive lineman, you know, can they play guard? Can they play tackle? Are they only left? Are they only right? The guy that has the versatility to play anywhere, obviously has more more value to the organization than the one that's locked in the one position unless that one position happens to be where he's really a great player at the availability of some of the guys in free agency a receiver and a good group of receivers coming out is this a chance to really get those explosive guys and you know make some significant strides at that position i think we have to make a commitment to doing that in, in both in both areas, whether that's free agency or the draft, I think the commitment of the organization to explore all options in those areas is vital. How aggressive will you, will you be in free agency? Very aggressive. <laughs> Not value? Well, I mean, very aggressive within reason, right? I mean, it's what you can't get into a habit of doing is go, and, and we've seen this. We've seen it played out. You know, multiple times where you go into free agency and you have a need and you you way overpay for to fill that need, and then a year later you're disappointed and you move on from the player. We can't get in those situations. We have to we have to be smart. We have to identify the the right players. Hopefully, you know, recruit the right players in free agency or draft the right players in the draft that fill those needs. But you you, you can't turn. A four million dollar play. You can't you can't pay eleven million dollars for a three million dollar player. It just it, it, over time it, it doesn't work. And really, what does that say to your locker room? And again, I go back to that same mentality where we've got to draft, develop, and re-sign and get get our own players under their second contracts, so we don't have to go outside into free agency to fill major needs. How do you handle all? You, you've been under the fire for a while. How do you handle all that? Does it bother you? Does it bother you? Well, I mean, not really, but... It doesn't bother me either. <laughs> I mean, you used well, to it. I mean, am I used to it? I think this is it's part of the business. Do I... You know, you have a job to do as reporters. I have a job to do. My focus has never been on what, what you uh, put out there or anybody else puts out there. You have a job to do. I respect that job. My job is to look out for the best interest of the organization. I don't worry about myself. I, I can take care of myself. I've, I've done it for 58 years. I, I can handle that. I'm more, you know, my focus is, is on the organization and what we need to do. And sometimes, you know, what you believe as a, as a reporter or the fan believes is the right thing to do, if you really sit down and look at it, it probably isn't the right thing to do. So you, and if you start doing everything and reacting to everything the fans or reporters want you to do, pretty soon you'll be sitting with them, right? Because you're not going to always make the right decision for the organization. And that's how I look at it, you know. So I respect the jobs that you guys have to do and, and the gals have to do. But at the end of the day, it's bigger than that. It's it's about the organization. You can handle it, but it's a tough uh, family-wise and all that. I mean, they hear it. Yeah, they've been raised right. They understand what to listen to, what not to. You know, and, and that's just part of it. If you want to, if you want to swim in this pond, you got to be able, to, you got to be able to take it. So, it is what it is, and, and I'm moving forward. 
But I do appreciate, the one thing I do appreciate is the passion that the Jaguar fan base has. You know, they're tired. They, they want to win, and uh, we want to win. You know, so we're in this thing together, and, and uh, I don't know that they always recognize how blessed they are to have an owner that's willing to, to do what it takes to win. Now, has it happened yet? No, not enough. It's one year, 2017, but it's coming. Uh, it, it, it is coming. You just mentioned something that's pretty interesting about the locker room, what free agent money sometimes says, what guys earning second contracts sometimes says. How prevalent is that, that that can throw off the, the culture in when you bring a guy in for $80 million and nobody really knows who he is yeah. versus a guy who's been there for four or five years? Well, the one thing that players know is, is they know who can play and who can't. You put on the film and they know. So when you bring in somebody from the outside and you take care of them financially, and you may not have done that to several of your own over time, and all of a sudden you pop on the film and that person's not living up to that expectation, it, it, it's damage control. It really is. So all of that stuff has to be factored into decisions, and that's why you, know, you go back to the fan base wanting X or Y or Z in the locker room. Well, that's some, some of the things they don't really recognize or totally understand, but I, I can assure you that the players in that locker room understand it. Do you worry that there's any kind of hangover inside the organization from everything that's gone on last year, whether that's locker room, staff, you know what I mean? I mean, it was a hell of a, a, hell of a dysfunctional year. Yeah, I think, I, th I think there's, a, there's a, a lot of resolve in an NFL locker room. I think these guys are they're pros. Uh, coaches are pros. Personnel staff are pros. You know, you understand that that's part of the business. Sometimes things aren't going to work out, and you got to move forward. And again, it's it's how fast can you shift your focus from the past to the present to the future? I've never been one to live in the past. I, I live in the future, right? I, and I live in the present, live in the future. If you're worried about the past, you're worrying about the wrong things because you can't control it, you can't change it, right? So your focus has to be on what's ahead of us. You got to admit, though, there hasn't been a past like last year yeah. <laughs> anywhere. Again, if I, like if I sit here and dwell on the past. It's going to keep me from moving forward, and I'd rather move forward. And I think the fan base wants to move forward. I think I think I, I know internally we all want to move forward, and that's no disrespect to anybody that was there in the past. But it's time to move forward, and that's what we, we're choosing to do. Coach introduced you to hunting, or you've been hunting before? I've been hunting my whole life, yeah. hunting and fishing. So I grew up in northern, or I grew up in southern Wisconsin. I still have a home in northern Wisconsin. So I, I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to be on the water. So anything outdoors, I'm I'm up for. Uh, that is uh, Trent Baalke uh, earlier today here at the NFL Combine talking to uh, myself, also uh, ESPN's Mike DiRocco and the Florida Times Union's John Reed. And uh, I thought he was pretty good there. And, and by the way, even up at the podium to say stuff like, hey, we got in common. We like hunting and fishing. Uh, we went out and played golf. Like, uh, that doesn't do anything for the fan base. It's like, but those are things like, we well, don't even know Trent Baalke. You know, <laughs> like he let us in for a second. Which is like, okay, well, that's good. But now for the more you know, the stuff that's most important. Uh, and I don't know if anything caught your ear there, uh, Austin, but he obviously ran down a list of things from the franchise tag to free agency uh, to, I thought he said a lot about culture, and it was it was pretty interesting because I always go back in the back of my mind, it's always 
you telling me what the money says, right? And we talked about this recently on the show. Part of Jalen Ramsey, you know, getting out the problems with Jalen Ramsey, I think stemmed from the amount of money the Jags brought in in 2017 and what he was getting paid despite what he was doing on the field. And he's a guy, much like I guess Kyle Murray would be in this situation right now, that wanted to be paid early and that the Jags weren't going to do it. And I think that kind of started the snowball of bad around Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville. Well, Trent Bulky basically is talking about that there that said, hey, you got to be careful about bringing big money guys in that don't perform well because it doesn't do well in your locker room. And more importantly, we got to draft, develop, and then sign. And I think it's fascinating he says that right now and is very consistent. And I understand the approach. That's been the approach of GMs all over the league for a long time. But they have three guys that they could put in that conversation here soon. One is Cam Robinson. What are they going to do with him? DJ Chark, what are they going to do with him? And they could even, if they chose to, sign a guy like Josh Allen early or give him a fifth-year option. So they have three players that watch what they do with those guys, considering what Trent Baalke said about getting those uh, second contracts for guys that they drafted and developed. Yeah, it's important. You know, I mean, I enjoyed how he gave the outlook of how he's looking at this whole thing, and um, he doesn't really seem to care what the outside um, noise is saying, and, and nor should he. But if we're talking about the X's and O's, we're talking about the game of football, and I, I appreciate how he's approaching in terms of free agency of trying to re-sign guys. Of course you have to do that. Anybody can tell you you have to do that. What I don't agree with, though, is his philosophy with the first-round pick in terms of versatility. We, we, we have a giant fundamental difference there because he is a component of saying you need to have versatility no matter where it is in the draft because that's going to help your team. I think that versatility is a by, byproduct of value and not priority. I think when the Cleveland Browns drafted Joe Thomas, they didn't draft Joe Thomas because, well, could he play guard? Could be a right tackle? No. You took him number three overall in the Cleveland Browns because you knew he was going to be your left tackle for the next decade and he was going to be a pillar on that team, one of the best at the position to ever play in the league. When you have the number one overall pick, to me, versatility should not even be in your vocabulary. It should be who can we put where and have him cemented there for the next 10 years. You know, whether it's an offensive tackle or whether it's a defensive lineman. You know, like when, when Von Miller got drafted, um, you know, or Miles Garrett, prime example, number one overall pick. They didn't go, well, we like him. He's a great edge rusher, but what can he do inside? No, you drafted Miles Garrett to play defensive end. Now, once again, he was a byproduct because he's a freak athlete. He's a big dude, so you can move him inside. But that, that wasn't the get to get Miles Garrett. You got Miles Garrett number one overall because he's a great edge rusher. That's how I would approach this draft, especially with the number one overall pick. I would not be focused on versatility, especially in the first round. Yeah, well, listen, I like your take there. This is a, con- this is a conversation we've had multiple times, right, about players like... Taven Bryan trying him at the big end spot early on. Uh, it wasn't very good. This is Miles Jack for three years taking him to get to the spot that he was good at, which is the will. Uh, this is, name your guy. I mean, I'm trying to think of another example, but those are two that stick out to me that did not work. It's not the only examples. And so when you're trying to make or have people do jobs that either they're not accustomed to or not as good at, uh, then you really have to question that. So I, I don't mind what you're saying there. That was an interesting catch on your point. I get what every NFL coach and player with a minimal roster wants to do is say, hey, if this guy gets hurt, can we move him over here? Or can we do this and this? Well, it's the exact question I'm asking about on the left tackle spot, Austin. What are you going to do with it? You have Walker Little, who 
High trades a left tackle. You have Evan Neal, who many project to be a longtime left tackle in the NFL, even though they can maybe play multiple positions. So, and, and Neal, by the way, has proven that he can play multiple positions. Like, I saw one thing thrown out there, like, hey, could you put, could you tag Cam Robinson again, move Walker Little to right tackle, and Evan Neal to guard? And I'm like, who's saying that? No. Who, who's no, saying that so I can... I, I, I just saw it somewhere when I was like looking up. But who? I, 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 but, I need receipts, Brent. I need to go after these people immediately. Yeah. What what what, well, what expert said this? I, I did not say. I don't know if it was oh, more some thought or whatever, right? But oh. but that just gives you the the idea of who cares if a guy can play three different positions. Where is he at the best position? And where does value come in in terms of being the number one overall pick in the draft for Evan Neal? Like. Should you, that's what we asked him a little bit, right, about that flexibility. Are you going to slide Walker Little over there, or are you going to slide your first overall pick to the right tackle spot? Is it that valuable of a position? Well, I think that's what the conversations in the building have to be all about. So uh, I agree with you, man. I think you got to be very careful to say this guy's really good at a bunch of different positions. Is he? Because the last part of what Trent Bulky said is, unless he's really good at one position. Well, that my guess is, a guy's going to probably be better at one position than he is at the other. So don't you want to put him in a position to be successful and play him at the position that he is the best at? Again, worth saying the Jags have misfired on that concept before with guys like Miles Jack and even Taven Bryan early in his career. But this isn't even up for debate, though, because it's one thing if it's a late-round pick, okay, and, and you want to get fancy, so be it. Not the first overall pick. Like, I'm not sure in the history of the NFL draft how many times a first overall pick came in and said, hey, you know what? We like your versatility. Try playing in a new spot or, or try doing something that we didn't really, you know, bring you here to do. But we, we just want to see how it works out here. Fairly, I don't think that's ever happened in the history. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, very rarely does that ever happen, especially with the number one overall pick. You're, you're drafting supposedly the best player. You don't put the best player where he's not really accustomed to playing or where he hasn't played in a while. It just makes zero sense to me. So, once again, like, if you want to talk about versatility later on in the draft, the, the, then so be it. But I can't co-sign on having the first overall pick, and one of the very first things that come out of your mouth is versatility. Like, that's what I took away from it, because you're, you're the general manager. You're, you're responsible for the draft. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you, you got the right mindset in terms of you're, you're pushing forward, you don't care what the outside noise is. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you're trying to build the culture, re-sign guys. That's great. But you're the general manager. And I take you at your word for what you say about the draft. I didn't like the whole versatility thing. We'll be back. NFL Combine 2022. We're live in Indianapolis, Indiana, 3-6 to six today. We'll hear from Doug Peterson off to the side as well. Again, this is stuff that you did not hear on the podium. What else Doug Peterson had to say? That's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we talk a little bit of Green Bay with a familiar person. Uh, coming up, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Rolls on right after this. I think uh, for a quarterback, one most important thing, they have to be tough. I mean, they have to be tough, the amount, mental and physical. I mean, the stuff, uh, the stresses they go through, just being able to stand in front of so many different people. Um, then you look at the physical aspect of it, to be able to take hits, because even if it's perfect, you're going to be hit, and it's a long season. Uh, so it's really the, it's, it's that, uh, that form of a toughness and an intelligence, the, the ability to be able to call play. We have long play calls, and then be able to understand the different t defenses you're going to do to get yourself in a perfect play, and then accuracy. Those are kind of the three top ones, and then if you're lucky, you get an athletic guy too. Um, but really, those are the four things that we look for in a quarterback with a lot of other things that kind of go into it, but that's kind of the overview. That sounds like Nathaniel Hackett to me. Denver Broncos head coach, former Jacksonville Jaguars coordinator, on the staff at Green Bay as well before he landed 
in Denver. And quite honestly, I'm still not convinced that he wasn't like the Jags top choice uh, and who knows nobody will ever fully give you the rundown of what went on but I think there's a real chance that Denver swooped in before that second interview for Nathaniel Hackett or maybe Hackett's the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars it's uh, certainly a plausible scenario and maybe Trent Polky in the way of all of that at the end of the day. Brent Morneau here at the NFL Combine 2022. By the way, some big news out of baseball. Certainly looks like the players are going to vote no on that proposal at 5 o'clock was a deadline or is a deadline. And uh, certainly looks like if baseball keeps its word, Manfred does, that we're going to lose games going into the 2022 season. So more on that as more details uh, come out. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. Uh, I wonder if our next guest has been to the pickle, Austin. Where is the pickle again? That's Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So if she's been to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, first of all, I'm going to ask, why have you been there, Cassidy? And number two, and then i got to ask you, why, why would you go to the pickle? But it's about a two-and-a-half-three-hour drive from Green Bay. Oh, she hasn't been there yet. Okay. She's, a, she's a newbie when it comes to Green Bay. Yeah, I've been yeah. through there. You've been through Eau Claire? I have been through Eau Claire. Beautiful area. It is. It's gorgeous. And I have a friend that lives in Eau Claire, so I would like to go back. Uh, but you go through there from on your way from Green Bay to Minneapolis. Good call. Wow, she knows good. her stuff. Yes. She does know her stuff. How far from Iola, Scandinavia is that? Uh, the, from the, Scandinavia. Uh, the, the, the pickle and the Eau Claire? That's yeah. like a good two and a half, three hours, yeah. Gosh, man, you're in the middle of nowhere when we, we make this trip to your hometown, maybe even this summer. Man, I had 54 kids in my graduating class. You're just finding this out now? Yeah, we had I nothing. What do you, I what do you want the pickle was closer. I mean, as much as I referenced the pickle, I figured we'd be able to get there from either Lambeau or your house. Well, no, it's just it's close in our hearts. Austin, are you from Wisconsin? Oh, yeah. Yep. Good old Iowa, Scandinavia. Yeah. If there is a ton of Scandinavian influence there, I have found out. <laughs> Much different from Florida. For sure. <laughs> it's a lot different the, the from Florida. The pancakes are really thin. It creeps me out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's, what is she supposed to try? What is that? Oh, yeah. Cassidy, have you ever heard of Ludafisk? No. Okay. I think you just made that word up. Oh, no. I mean, it definitely sounds like it. Not ludicrous. So, yeah, ludicrous. For sure. So, um, ludifisk is a, it's a Norwegian dish, and it's codfish that's been soaked in lye, which you can find lye in, like, your, your household cleaning products or hair products. Uh, and they soak it in lye, and then they wash it out. They soak it in lye again, then wash it out with salt water, um, and that helps preserve the fish. And then uh, it turns into this, like, this gelatinous blob. Uh, you put butter and salt on it, and you're ready to roll. So, um, yeah, you got to try some sometime. Yeah, How sounds about great. I just don't say I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Cassidy Hill with us, by the way, uh, who used to cover the Jacksonville Jaguars and covered the Florida Gators for a long time. By the way, yep. I've never seen some, so many players publicly say hello to a reporter. Uh, then the Gators players to Cassidy Hill. So um, I pay them to do it. Yeah, you know, I, don't think, I don't think so. He's just much, <laughs> much nicer than everybody else in the media probably down there in Gainesville, which, which also isn't hard to do, but That's it still is true. a nice compliment for you. Um, Was that shade at Mark Lawrence? <laughs> a little bit, as much as I could provide. Uh, so how is Green Bay, first of all? How much snow have you been shoveling? It, Brent, it just snows all the time. Like, it just <laughs> always snows. I wake up, it snows. I go to bed, it snows. Uh, but, no, it's it's pretty, and I love it. It's I mean, you can't be a fan of football and not appreciate being in Green Bay and walking into Lambeau. Like, I walked into Lambeau the first time and tried not to, like, get emotional and act like a fan, but you kind of can't help it. There's one of those places. so much history there. It's steeped in it. It's so cool. The very first game I was sitting there, it snowed. It was gorgeous. And 
I made a comment to one of the other reporters. I was like, there's no ribbon boards in this stadium. And he looked up and he was like, I've been here for years. I've never noticed that. So it's just one of those things where it's like they've done such a good job of, of modernizing it while keeping it historical and letting it be what it is, which is all about football and all about the Packers. Yeah, really a lot like Fenway Park and, and Wrigley Field who have, have done the same. Right. Cassidy Hill with us. Uh, all right, give us the temperature, not real temperature, mm. but the uh, temperature on Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Are they staying? Are they going? Uh, is it a daily soap opera up there? <laughs> I, I feel like I wake up every day, and I don't know if anyone else remembers this but me, but there was this old Aaron Carter song called Oh Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Cassidy, I work for a top 40 station, so I'm familiar with Aaron Carter. So, yes, and, like, go on. During the, during the chorus, the background singers always go, Aaron, oh, Aaron, what are we going to do with you? That is every day of my life right now with Aaron Rodgers. It's like, what are we going to do with you today? You have a theme song. I do. It does have a theme song. You know, he, he gets super emotional on Instagram, and we have to figure out what that means. He's I have figured out he is um, a master at saying, just enough and not enough so that mm. everyone can interpret it a different way. Yeah. It's an art form. It's impressive. It is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. But all of that to say, I, I think that whatever happens with one will affect the other. And general manager Brian Gutekunst said today, you know, they are independent situations. They are different situations. They are different players. But Aaron Rodgers has said multiple times that Devontae Adams will affect his decision. And whatever happens with Adams will affect what he wants to do. But at the same time, the Packers are sort of handcuffed that they can't do anything with Devontae Adams until they know what Rodgers is going to do. And so it's just an endless loop. Rodgers has mentioned the franchise tag deadline enough that it seems significant to him, so yeah. I feel like it should be significant to me. It's a week from today. Yes, it's March 8th is the franchise tag deadline. The Packers have toyed with the idea of putting the franchise tag on Devontae Adams. They don't want to, but if they can't get a deal worked out, they may feel like they have to. A lot of teams weaponize that franchise tag. The Packers have done a good job of like trying not to do that, to always let that be a very last-case scenario, which is what it should be in the first place. But Aaron Rodgers has, has mentioned it enough that I've sort of taken him to mean and again, everyone can interpret it a different way. Google Translate needs like an Aaron Rodgers translator. <laughs> uh, I have taken it to mean if what if you tag Devontae Adams, you lose me. And you want to have the two of them together. The two of them want to play together, even though Devontae Adams is a, is going to be a free agent. A lot of teams are in the market. Jags, obviously, are, are one of those teams. But the two of them do want to be together. However... <laughs> Again, I've kind of taken it that Rodgers is, is holding that over the Packers' head to say, like, if you so dare tag him, I'm walking. Mm. And that's his way of, like, protecting his guy to make sure it's he doesn't get tagged. Yeah, it's an interesting route to take. Uh, okay, so we should be rooting in Jacksonville for Rodgers to go somewhere. And, 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 and right? for Devontae Adams to not get tagged. And not get tagged. <laughs> so one take care of the other. Um, how do you think Devontae, if, let's just say Denver, who's been a likely scenario, if they don't stay in Green Bay, Gets him. Do you think Devontae wants to play with Aaron Rodgers as bad as maybe Aaron Rodgers wants to play with Devontae Adams? Or do you think money talks because you're a free agent, you can get life-changing money, and uh, the highest bidder wins? Money talks, but something that Devontae Adams has to consider and something that Devontae Adams has admitted to considering is that he is on a legitimate Hall of Fame track here. 
he has the numbers. He just has to get the longevity. Uh, and, and I saved a couple of the numbers just to make sure I got them right because it's so impressive. Devontae Adams is the sixth receiver in NFL history to have at least 600 catches, 8,000 receiving yards, and 70 touchdowns in his first eight seasons. The others, the only other ones who have ever done that, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Harrison, Larry Fitzgerald. That's all Hall of Famers wow. plus Larry Fitzgerald who will be. Yeah. And, and so he's on a legitimate Hall of Fame track here. You can't just go somewhere that's going to pay you the most money if there's not going to be a quarterback there that can help you. And, and you know, I think if you go somewhere, like, for example, let's just hypothetical, say he, he went somewhere like Jacksonville, that could end up being the case with Trevor Lawrence. I saw Trevor Lawrence play enough to feel like he could be that quarterback for yeah. Devontae Adams. But it may take him two or three more years. It may take the Jags two or three more years to build around him. Devontae Adams will be 31 this year. He doesn't have two to three years. He needs to finish off this Hall of Fame resume in this season, next season, and maybe the next if he's still in good shape. Yeah. He, he's winding down his career here. And so going somewhere with a quarterback that can get him the ball like Aaron Rodgers does and that can uh, put him in a situation to make these insane plays – and a lot of credit goes to Devontae Adams as well, and we'll get on that in a minute. But having a quarterback that can help his game like that, I think is just, if not more important than the money, because something Devontae Adams said after a game this January was, every time I step on the field, I think about the Hall of Fame. Am I playing like a Hall of Famer? And so, uh, of course, you want to get paid what you're worth. It's, you, sh you deserve to be paid what you're worth. But that gold jacket means just as much, if not more, to him than the payday. Awesome. What you got? Cassidy, what, what has been your vibe, uh, I guess, just from the fan base in general? Because if you talk about Packers fans, you know, you're talking about an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position. I mean, you, I grew up with Brett Favre, and then you transitioned from what he was to now Aaron Rodgers, um, and, you know, being one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time, and Brett Favre respectively as well. I mean, is there a sense that they, you know, the fan base still wants to retain Rodgers because they're on the cusp of possibly going to a Super Bowl a couple plays away here, a couple plays away there? and maybe they, they do go to Super Bowl again? Or is it to the point now where it's like, all right, there's still some sort of fracture here. Let's try to get as much draft capital as possible, and now it's time to move forward and start rebuilding this whole thing. It, that's an interesting question, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a little bit of like, I think last year was more of, hey, we want him back for another year. We still have a chance at a Super Bowl. This is our time to chase it. Right now, there's a little bit of a disconnect, and it's not so much even the, hey, there's a fracture in the front office with Rodgers, let's get draft capital. It's more of, we've had 30 years of some of the best quarterback play the NFL has ever seen mm. and have two Super Bowls to show for it. Is there something wrong? Is is the quarterback who is incredible during the regular season the issue during the postseason where he has a game like he did against San Francisco. And, and it's so weird to say that when you watch Rodgers play because he is otherworldly. But there have been issues consistently in the postseason. Yeah. And if it's not one thing, it's another. And, and so I think the fans almost feel, from the ones that I've spoken to and the ones that call in and, and you know, give us their questions on the podcast, there's almost an issue of, or, or there's almost a feeling of, maybe this is just done. Let's thank him for his time. And, and see what else we can find. That being said, they don't want it to be Jordan Love. <laughs> they, they want another quarterback. This is a bad quarterback class in the draft. This is a bad free agent quarterback class. So 
I, I think, and it sounds weird to say, they would settle for another year of Rodgers. Um, they know that Rodgers is their best shot right now, and they do still appreciate him for everything he's done. But, like I said, it's been 30 years of the best quarterback playing two Super Bowls. You would think you would have more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And and as far as the draft capital, um, that's a sore subject with Packers fans, I have found out in the past week. Because when Brett Favre, that whole situation happened, he, it, there was such a, a contentiousness between he and the front office that he ended up getting traded to the Jets for a compensatory pick. And so they got nothing out of it, basically. And it was simply because they wouldn't trade him to the Vikings who were ready to give up the farm. Yeah. And and so the, the anger there kept them from getting the draft capital he was worth. Will that be the situation with Rodgers? Based on everything that they're saying, it wouldn't be. And I think a lot of that is because of what happened with Brett Favre. Well, you got to be careful, too. You maybe do want one more year. You get rid of the legends. Look at San Francisco, right? They went Montana, Young, and then what? For a long time, trying to replace those guys. You look right here in Indianapolis. You go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and now they don't know if Carson Wentz or whoever else. So what's on the other side of that door is not necessarily a right. good thing uh, all the time. So um, we will see what happens. Greener. They certainly look like they're the domino uh, in what could transpire over the next couple of weeks in free agency. It all starts That's in Green Bay. Point. I think yeah. you're at the epicenter of it. Whatever <laughs> happens with Rodgers will affect whatever happens with Adams, and that will affect what six other teams do. Yeah, I think you're right, and maybe other quarterbacks like Russell mm -hmm. Wilson or Sean Watson or whoever else. Right. Uh, Cassidy Hill follower at Cassidy G. Hill uh, from PG Packers News and Journal Sentinel. Glad you like it up there other than the snow. <laughs> no, Maybe right. we'll see you, by the way. We may, uh, Lero Butler going into the Hall of Fame, we may take a trip up to Lambeau in the summer. That's uh, when you need to see him. it, so, exactly. And then we'll go to the pickle, right, Austin? Well, yeah, Cassidy, if that's the case, we're up there. I'm bringing you to my grandma's house. You, we're going to try some lutefisk, all right? <laughs> I'll watch you try it. Uh, okay. Well, don't, don't <laughs> open my gun, hey, no, because then hey, my grandma's going to be upset. She, she has to oh, try it. That's my grandma. you got to cut your right. seal right here. She's a sweet lady now. Don't, you got to say yes. You have to confirm it. We have this recorded. It's too late. Too late. <laughs> Too late. Uh, Cassidy Hill, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. Have so fun much. at the Combine. We'll be right back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, live on the road in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. questions about Carson right now and it's a I don't have a direct answer for you um, we're working through it Jim Mr. say and Frank and I will sit down over the next 10 days and, and figure out where it's going um, but it ultimately we do we'll do what's best for the team for the Colts both in the short term and in the long term that is Chris Ballard the GM of the Indianapolis Colts and We've got a very short segment here from the NFL Combine. So I ask you this. Carson Wentz still a Colt when we start the season? Austin or what? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, uh, I don't think so. I think I think they try to move in a new direction. Uh, whether they, they get that accomplished, I'm not sure. But, like, see, this is such a slippery slope because you have to be careful what you say here. Is Carson Wentz the guy for the job in the future? Well, probably not. But you can't get to the point where you offend him because if he does come back next year, well, then how awkward is that going to be? So you kind of have to tread lightly in how you answer these questions and how you go about this whole process. That's a really good point. You can't throw him underneath the bus, and then he's end up as your quarterback, and you can't take that stuff back. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, I kind of think the way they're talking, man, they've been very open about 
really self-criticism about what went on with Carson Wentz that I feel like they will do anything they can to move on. Like, it almost the way they talk feels irreparable in a sense, even though it probably shouldn't be to that degree. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of guessing that he won't be there and they will find some other alternative uh, some way, shape, or form. I think there'll be enough avenues to go down. Remember now, Colts have a lot of money at their disposal, but they also have a core of a team that they think can win right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's a pickle spot to be in for Ballard because it's like, are we going to waste another year with Carson Wentz if we're really not sure he's the guy? Uh, tough spot maybe for the Colts to be in. All right, football at five coming up. Our conversation with Doug Peterson. Again, you might have heard some of these things on the podium. Uh, some quotes, but what we're giving you here today on the show, we just had Trent Balky off to the side with a couple of local reporters. We do the same with Doug Peterson. What Doug Peterson had to say about this organization, working with Trent Balky, and what's been going on since he got hired. Uh, that is coming up football at 5 when we come back from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana on ESPN 690. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 